Welcome back to Doctrine and Doxology. It's not just a new episode. It is a new season, and we are here at a new home, and we have new things coming because I said new home because we're yeah. at a new website. Oh, okay. New things coming. New home. things going on. I'm in the same seat I was in last time. Well, lots of new including the new season. Welcome to a new season of Doctrine and Doxology. I am Skylar Spradlin, here with Larry Jones. Thank you. Very good introduction. You like that? Yep. No derogatory comments, no yeah. jokes. No flamboyant words or Flamboyance, anything. Flamboyance, yep. This year is the year of seriousness. Just plano, plano. Plain Jane. No frou-frou, frill frill Foo foo frill. Okay, so what's been going on since I don't know. we've been gone? It's it's been a month since we've been gone. A lot of things have happened, though, according to even that relate to this podcast. True, our new initiative, the Pastors Cohort, is uh, up and going. It hasn't started yet. We're still taking applications, but man, has it just jumped off the ground and took off like a rocket? Yeah, I saw a whole bunch of books. We've got tons of books in, uh, ready to start passing out to our uh, participants in the pastor's cohort. Guys are signing up. Uh, people have graciously and generously donated the money that we need to make this work. And just a reminder, everybody out there, we continue to need income because our ministry has to keep going. So if you haven't given or want to keep giving, you can do that online. Uh, anyways, books coming in, guys signing up, things getting put in place, yeah. website up, www.doctrindoxology.com. Wow. Wow. I That's mean, in, I the, say. in the last month, things have exploded. I'm at a loss for words. Me too. I'm thankful. I hope this is a sign of the Lord's blessing. Yes. Uh, I'm not going to say that it always is. But I hope that's why yeah. it's been going relatively well, unhindered. We definitely want his hand behind what we do or want him to be leading in what we do. Absolutely. So we've got guys signed up from Oklahoma. We've got guys signed up from Texas. We've got guys signed up from North Carolina. We've got guys looking at us and going to sign up in the future from China and Germany and oh, quit Finland. It. Quit and it. All sorts of places. Do you know this for sure? Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Isn't that crazy? It's very humbling. Very humbling. Very humbling. So the deadline to, to apply to the cohort is uh, August 15th for this first class. It's open to pastors, small group leaders, deacons, bivocational, full-time, aspiring pastors, aspiring deacons, uh, any kind of church leadership. Uh, even if you're shooting for, want to want to aim towards church leadership, uh, this is something for you. You get a free book every month. You write just a real brief one-page reflection paper on that book that you've read, and you have a few four to five or so in-person interactions, uh, plus some other things coming that would be beneficial to your education. And the desire and the goal here is to better equip and invest in pastors right, so right. that they can equip and lead their churches to be healthy churches. Amen. That's the goal. 
That's a very worthy one, too, by the way. I think so. And so it has exploded with great excitement, and I'm eager to see how it fleshes out. And I think in a couple of weeks, we'll be adding new team members to help us coordinate some of these things. That is amazing. Absolutely. Okay. So we are here back yes. walking through yes. the doctrine of God. Correct. Last season ended right in the middle of the, of the discussion. Right. We did the incommunicable attributes. Yes. And now we're on the communicable attributes. Continued. Continued. These are the, actually the attributes that God shares with us. Right. So these attributes of God, he allows us to have them as well, only not to the extent that God has them. Correct. So we talked, like you said, the incommunicable attributes are the ones we don't share with God. Those are things like um, perfection, all-knowing, all-powerful, uh, present everywhere. Right. Those right. are the things we don't share with God. He doesn't permit us to participate in. He gives us an understanding of them. Yes. We can comprehend to a degree what it means to be all-powerful or perfect in knowledge, uh, but we don't know those things by experience. Correct. Communicable attributes we do know by experience because God allows us to participate in right. them. And really, this is, as we've talked about going through this study, uh, this is the main goal of humanity, to be the image bearers of God. He did create us in his image, by the way. And so we should be uh, exhibiting the same attributes that right, he exhibits, right. especially as believers, because our spirits have been made alive. We're born again. Well, sure. and so now we definitely know uh, what these things are and where they originate and what they look like. And we want to be the image of our Savior to the world. And, of course, some of these images, some of these attributes that God shares with us, other people can have a smidgen of it, but they can't have it to the extent we have it. Correct. Although, And, of course, we can't have it to the extent that God has it. Right. Well, the Christian is indwelt by the Holy Spirit who enables yes. the flourishing of these things. Right. So an unbeliever may know something of love, sure. may know something of forgiveness, may practice and experience those things. They're, they're common for all humanity. But the believer, with the indwelling of the Spirit of God, Absolutely. knows them in a greater, more full extent. That's true. Because even as a believer, we, we understand that we are to love our enemies. Right. You know, sometimes it's easy to love your neighbor to some extent or to love your siblings or to love your parents. Yeah. But the whole new whatever, I want to, I don't know the big word for it, but it's just a big, it explodes when it goes to the Christian because God enables us right. to love more. Absolutely. To love pure. So what are some of the communicable attributes we've looked at? We have looked at, and the list is short. Our medium length. Mm -hmm. uh, spirituality, invisibility. Mm. That was a tough one for us. Yeah, yeah. Knowledge, wisdom, truthfulness and faithfulness, goodness, and the last one we did was love. And we did love in two episodes because it's such a big deal. It is a big deal, yes. Well, cool. I hope those things, I hope as we've walked through them, we've obviously not been exhaustive. I hope we've sparked thought right. and discussion and 
helped people understand who God is and who they're supposed to be in relation to God. Right, absolutely. What are we starting with today? So today we're going to start with, I, I think we can do three or four of these next ones. Oh, two or three. Oh, two or three. Uh, I think mercy is next. Mercy. 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 And then holiness. And then peace. And then I think we should end up with righteousness. We may not exhaust that because it is also a big subject. At least it is to me. You said it's a big ball of wax. So, yes. I think of earwax. Well, I think it's <laughs> a little more important than that. I well, think, yeah. you know, of course, we have uh, work challenged to be righteous. And, of course, we'll probably get there when we get there. But, of course, we that's know profound. We'll get there when we get we there. We are uh, reflecting our righteousness with the righteousness of Christ. So that's yes. what we'll do when we get to righteousness. The first one is mercy. 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 Um, there's a couple other things like subbed into that, right? It's not just mercy, but there's also grace. Mercy. Uh, yes. Yeah, the uh, author of this study, of this systematic theology. You're using the list Mr. of Wayne uh, Grudem. Wayne Grudem, yes. He, he lumps uh, mercy and grace. Mercy and, and grace and patience together. Together. Interesting. Together. I see how they're related. Um, I still prefer to take them separately. Maybe not yeah, mercy and grace, but patience could maybe be separate. Anyways, okay, he mercy. says God's mercy means God's goodness toward those in misery and distress. Mm, okay. um, I don't think that's that's part of it, but I don't know if that's all of it. Right. I would definitely say it is God's goodness, but I think there's more to mercy than that. Well, I think he's referring to the the blind man who said, Lord, have mercy on me. That kind of a thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Not mercy in terms of salvation and justice. Right. Just have mercy on me. Yeah. I still think God lets us. Um, I, I, th I think both aspects of mercy are communicable between us and God. Uh, and so we can do that. We, we show general goodness, yeah, to those who are. You know, somebody's down and out or hurting. We extend a hand. We can right. uh, care for them. We can put them up for a night or, you know, we show mercy. But I also think about extending mercy in terms of justice. Like God extends mercy towards us in salvation. Yes. Where we deserve to be punished, but he's merciful and so forgives us of our sins. So we're not punishment right. or punished. I think the same can be said of us as we relate to others who've wronged us. Right. I think of Jesus' parable of the servant who was forgiven a big debt and yep. then went and held his uh, other guy, this other guy and, and beat him up because he owed him, owed him a, just, uh, just a, a real small yeah. sum. The he point there, mercy. Right. The point there that Jesus is getting at is, hey, you've been forgiven a lot. You can forgive others. Yes. And we see that in the Lord's Prayer. And we see that all over the New Testament, especially in the teachings of Christ, that those who know the forgiveness of God forgive others. And if you want to be forgiven right. by God, you you still forgive others. Yeah, so I, I think of the uh, tax collector and the Pharisee in the temple where mm -hmm. the tax collector said, be merciful to me, a sinner. Right. So that's to me, that's a really good touching moment as example of mercy. So I think as God shows us mercy, even in that um, kind of justice forgiveness sense, yeah, we yep. can show justice to others who've wronged us. 
uh, he says that God's grace means God's goodness toward those who deserve only punishment. Yes. So that's why I think why he linked mercy and grace together. Yeah. Because in both situations, the we needed, we deserve punishment. We got God's mercy. We got His grace. He cleansed us and and made us His child. Yeah, absolutely. And then his final one was patience, and he says this means God's goodness in withholding of punishment toward those who sin over a period of time. Hmm. Hmm. I still prefer to take patience separately from these. Yeah. These are so, uh, I mean, these terms are so full. Right, right. It's hard to condense them down to a single definition like this. But at Much the same less time, them together, huh? right? At the same time, mercy and grace—they're so fundamental to right. Christianity. I mean, Jesus equates them with salvation. Right. If you're saved, you're going to be a people of mercy and grace. Right. And so, so for stuck them together now. But they are stuck together well, in the Old Testament as well. I would take mercy and grace together, yeah. When God declared his name to Moses, he proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God of merciful and gracious, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Is that Exodus 34? Exodus 34, 6. Yeah, it's good. For, for you note takers out there. Note takers. So, to be a Christian means to exemplify these attributes of God, mercy yes. and grace. Yeah. I have a friend who uh, goes to church here, and one of his favorite things to say, or one of the things he's said several times in my presence, is the Lord extended a lot of uh, grace to me, and I need to extend that grace to others. Mm-hmm. Like not holding them to an account, just the way God doesn't hold us to an account. Right. He forgives us. Now, I think grace is more than just an attitude or a feeling. I think it's also got action behind it in the sense of God. When he shows us grace, he also accompanies that grace with gracious power. He enables us to do things. Okay. Um, the grace to turn from temptation, the grace to repent, the grace to have faith. All of those are acts of grace that originate from a heart that's gracious towards us. I think the same is true for us as we have feelings or attitudes of grace towards others. Yes. We should also act upon that grace. It should produce gracious action. So if God has shown us grace in his provisions or things like that, we can extend that grace to others in terms of provision or care or whatever else. Yeah. If you think about these things in their fullness, um, what does it really fully mean for God to be merciful? What does it really fully mean for God to be gracious? And you, you realize that to exemplify these attributes in our lives as Christians, that standard's really high. Yeah, I think when you think of God in his fullness, you can't think of it all. Right. Or in his mercy, you can't, you know, you can grasp a lot of it because we've experienced a lot of it. But he's, he's experienced, he shares his 
grace and mercy in many areas that we haven't quite grasped yet. Yeah. Well, and like you said earlier, it, it even extends to the fact that we we love and show mercy and grace even to our enemies. Sure. Which is radical. I know that word right. gets used a lot, but it, I don't know another word. It's radical. It's so counterintuitive. And yet, for the Christian, that's normal. That's normalcy to look right. at our enemies and extend grace, mercy. And yes, and if we're doing this accurately, and a lot of times in a church, you'll have little factions. You'll have somebody that says something or somebody perceived yeah. that somebody says something about me, and there's uh, almost a, a division in the church. It's not unified anymore because someone is mad at someone else. Yeah. And I think that's where a lot of this mercy and grace comes in and patience. Uh, we need to be merciful, uh, forgiving people, even though they may have done something wrong to us or we perceive they have. Yeah. So, and that just unifies the body. Yeah. It helps us to love each other and, and get on about God's business. Yeah. Now, here's why I would break away patience from those two. Okay. Because patience is a big deal as God describes himself. Long-suffering. Long-suffering. I think we th can use the word steadfast. Uh, he, he's patiently enduring, uh, patiently waiting. I think it just in its own right deserves its own attention. All of these obviously deserve their own attention, but I think it's so uh, comprehensive it can be broken off as its own thing. Okay. So as God is patient towards us in forgiving us, we should be patient in bearing with others as they sin against us, or or yeah, even do something against right. us. Right, and you think about it, God has a fatherly patience towards us. So it's not just that He's enduring with our sin and our shortcomings; He's also patiently teaching. He's patiently helping. He's patiently reminding us okay. of what is right and what is wrong, and and what the next step is. All of that involves. Patience. It's probably one of the most um, all-encompassing attributes of God as he deals with us. He has to be patient because we're yes. like the toddler. We're the infant learning to walk, learning not to touch the hot stove, learning how to turn the light switch on. Yep. That requires patience. My youngest daughter right now is all about buckling herself in the car, which okay. is, in one hand, exciting. We're glad. We're, we're proud of her. Yes. It, like, triples the time it takes to get in and out of the car. <laughs> yeah. So you have to have that patience. Right. So I don't think patience is just in terms of enduring with our fa failures. Uh, I think there's also patience in letting us figure it out and letting us grow right. and teaching us how to do something. Right. So patience, I think, is a bit broad. Yes, it's it's connected to mercy and grace, but also touches a whole lot of other things. Okay. That's good. What's next? What's next? He says. Drum roll. Drum roll. The next item on the list. I lost my place. Oh, <laughs> my goodness. Okay. No, I haven't. Holiness. Holiness. Man, talk about a big ball of wax. Yeah. It's a big subject to speak of in only a few minutes. I think of two passages. Okay. I think of the the one in Peter. I believe it's First Peter chapter one, 
that's quoting Leviticus, maybe chapter 11, I don't know, somewhere in Leviticus, where God says, and Peter reminds his readers, be holy for I am holy. Yes, he said that. And then I think of the Hebrews passage, which I'm off my game today. Leviticus 19.2. Okay. And 1 Peter what? 1. I'm looking, I'm looking. I don't have it in my notes. Oh, 116. 116. And then there's a Hebrews passage. I think, I'm off my game, but I think it's Hebrews 7 maybe. Oh, Hebrews 12, 14 maybe. Oh, there we go. Where Jesus or the writer says strive for holiness. Striving for holiness? No. I mean that's true, yeah. The, without that no one will see the Lord. Yeah, that's it. The holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Yes. Is that the Hebrews twelve passage? It is. Twelve fourteen. Twelve fourteen. Without which the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. So then God's discipline is uh, given to us that we may share his holiness. And that's same chapter, verse yeah. 10. So I sit here and I think, man, holiness is a, a big, big, big subject. Yeah, it's, a, it's akin to obedience. Kind of, yeah. Oh, well, I mean, it's wrapped up in it, yeah. Yeah, because God wants us to not sin. He wants us to walk in holiness. And when we sin, we... Divorce ourselves from holiness. Yeah. Holiness is a broad purity that touches everything. So not just sexual purity, but purity in action, purity in thought, purity in word, purity in study, whatever. It's this over-all-encompassing, overarching purity to such an extent that it sets us apart, makes us distinct. Right, right, right. So think about God. God says, be holy for I'm holy. God is holy. And all throughout the Old Testament, New Testament alike, we have this reiteration that God is holy. He's holy, 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 as the angels in heaven right, cry out. Right. And that means God is pure, 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 and distinct, distinct, distinct. He's set apart to the extreme, yes. to the nth degree. I mean, he's, he's beyond distinction even without his grace if we walked into his presence as not holy we be would obliterated. be obliterated yeah. yeah isaiah cries out in chapter six i'm Woe coming undone i'm being unbound woe is me and it's because the holiness of god confronts him and right. so god's holiness means he is transcendent means he is i i think the best word is other he's just entirely other not merely different, because different implies comparison, and nothing compares with God. He's entirely right. other from us, so far set apart, which, by the way, just makes the gospel more beautiful because he comes to us to bring us to himself. Right. It's immense love. But you still, coming back to just thinking about holiness, we can't stress how significant it is to the person of God. I think... Holiness is the one attribute that defines all the other attributes. I guess I didn't follow that. Like the other attributes as sin? No. Oh, you're talking about no. not the attributes of a human who... Yeah, I'm talking about the attributes of God. Attributes of God, yeah. Yeah, so they're all interconnected. We, don't, we can't take anyone apart, really, in the person of God. They all make up... God. Okay. He's not made up of parts, but but he's all of these things at at once. 
And yet, I think holiness is that defining feature of him. So his mercy is a holy mercy. His love is a holy love. His grace is a holy grace. His wrath is a holy wrath. His righteousness is a holy righteousness. It's, okay. it's not like anything else in creation. It's distinct. It's pure. It's perfect. It's set apart. Yeah. And so this attribute, I think, is, is all I'm trying to get at here is it's a really big deal. It defines the entire being and person of God, and it's the expectation for Christians. So how do we get to achieve that expectation? I, I know that we are striving within ourselves to be holy and in, and in walking in obedience. Yeah. But also I know that I can't do that in my strength. Right. I have to have God's spirit within me, helping me to be holy. Well, I think this is where we come back and we consider grace isn't just an attitude. It's also a power where God gives us the grace to grow in holiness. Okay. I'm reading a a really good book right now, uh, rereading a really good book right now. and, And one of the distinctions he makes about grace is there's forgiving grace, but then there's also transforming grace. There's kind of the passive forgiving, but then there's the power of transformation. God is transforming us through his grace. He's helping us grow into holiness, and that's an act of grace. Okay. So, you know, for an unbeliever, um, there may be a sense, maybe an ounce of holiness, because just as a human being, you're distinct from other parts of creation. Right. But I don't know that there's really any holiness beyond that. But for the, right. for just the, the natural laws that God has placed on each person. Right. The laws inside, you know, don't murder, don't steal. Yeah. Some of those basic um, relationship issues. But for the Christian. Yes. Like you said, who's Step enabled the by game. the Spirit and filled with the grace of God, uh, we actually can be holy. There's a positional holiness where God has declared us holy in Christ. Right. We occupy that position. But then there's also the experiential holiness. And that's where the war between our flesh and the spirit right. is waged. Right. You think of Galatians 5, the things of the flesh are against the spirit and the things of the spirit are against the flesh. There's this constant battle within us. And that's because we're to be striving for growing into experiential holiness. Okay. And I think... One of the chief things about that is in salvation, God gives us the taste for holiness. The taste? Yeah, where we start to crave holiness as Christians. Oh, yeah. And we start to despise unholiness. Absolutely. It's bitter. It's it's disgusting. It's Hmm. it, it doesn't fit our palate anymore. God's changing our taste buds where we long for holiness and reject unholiness. Well, one of the reasons. We long for holiness, and I'm speaking for myself, is I truly like being in a, a right position with God. Right. That's where you find joy. And I know I, I'm not there on my goodness or my righteousness, that I'm clothed in the righteousness of Christ. But when I'm walking with the Lord and I'm walking closely with the Lord, I, I feel joy. Yeah. I'm glad I'm not that I'm prideful, but I'm just glad I'm where God wants me to be. Right. And it makes it gives me a, a great amount of euphoric peace. Yeah. If I can use that word together. <laughs> well, and 
we all go through seasons where we're either by God's grace rock walking very closely with the yes, Lord as yes. we perceive it to be, or we're in the valley where our hearts are dry and where our disciplines are weak and we're not walking very faithfully with the Lord. But the ordinary trajectory and pattern of our life, and even in those low valley-like moments, is that we're craving to be with God. Right. Uh, we may be slacking. We may be in a downturn or a bad season, but we're still craving to be with God. And that means underlying there in the undercurrent, we're craving to be holy. Right. And I'm also not saying that I'm pri- prideful because of my holiness. Yeah. Because I've been doing pretty good with God lately because once you get in that stage, then God says, well, how about your pride? What pride do you do about comes that? before the fall. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So I don't, I'm not saying it in a very prideful way. I'm just saying this is a, a season that I get in uh, sometimes yeah. that really makes me, I don't know what the word is. I just feel so close to God. I just feel like I'm walking where he wants me to walk. Yeah, it's good. Well, one of the things, last things I want to say about this before we're out of time today okay. is that Holiness, again, not only defines these other attributes, but flows from them as well. And so to be holy means we're like God, which means we're merciful and we're gracious and we're patient. And so that's what I mean earlier when I said holiness has this unique position that touches all these other attributes. If we want to be holy, we still have to be like God. We have to be merciful, gracious, patient. And so they go hand in hand. Okay. So we should strive for holiness. Strive for holiness. Yeah. Yeah. You said uh, before we run out of time, does that mean we're getting close to our means we're actually threshold? there. <laughs> we are there. We're out of time. Okay. Well, you think about it. We covered mercy, grace. We covered four. I would say four. Mercy, grace, patience, patience. holiness. Okay. And just just the smidget, the tip of the iceberg, just the, just the right there. Just the right there? Yeah. So next time we come back, we can discuss maybe peace. Yeah. And then jump into righteousness. Yeah. That'd be good. That yeah, would. Well, our God's a merciful God, and that means he saves us. Yes, He's he a gracious does. God. He extends forgiveness through Christ, and it uh, would be a grave mistake for us to end without talking about the gospel. I think so. Because our God is First and foremost, a creator, and then very close second, a redeemer. I mean, that's that's how we know him. That's how right. we relate to him. He is our savior, and that means he forgives us of our sins. And the way that he does that is by us repenting, placing our faith in the person and work of his son, Jesus. Right. And then he says in that promise, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. We trust that promise. Yes. So. I hope somebody's listening and they think, you know, I need mercy and I need grace. And they've just heard the way to be saved, the way to right. be holy. It's through Christ. The only way. The only. Yeah, a lot of people look at the uh, the end line. I want to go to heaven. Yeah. I don't want to go to hell. So I choose this. Right. But there's so much more to it than just heaven. It's just yeah. like it. It starts the moment you receive Christ as Savior. Yeah. You 
you start developing these characteristics that God's putting in you and helping you to expand them. Yeah. And it's a glorious thing. Well, the Bible doesn't say desire heaven and you'll be saved. Right. It says be holy. Be holy. That's the mark of salvation. Well, I'm glad we're back. Me I've too. missed it. Um, I know that it's a crazy busy time of the year for us, but it's an exciting time of the year. There's electricity in the air, so don't lick your fingers. <laughs> Anyways. Or hold them up. Yeah. I'm glad to be sitting back here and doing this, and I hope the Lord blesses this new season and direction of this, really, this new ministry. I do, too. I'm hoping we can reach out and, and touch a lot of young pastors or wannabe pastors or church leaders and uh, with these these books that are great resources. generous uh, yeah. people have donated to buy. Yeah, Nine and Marks in Washington, D.C., Shout out, thank you, Nine Marks, yeah. uh, for, for partnering with us in this endeavor. And the whole idea is just so the kingdom may grow. Absolutely. So people may be saved. The church flourish. Yes. So if you want to find out more about Doctrine and Doxology, if you want to find out more about the pastor's cohort, if you want to find out how you can give or what we're about or any of our social media links, you can go to www.doctrinedoxology.com. All one word, Doctrine Doxology. Dot com and there no you just doctrine no and, yeah. no and yeah there you will find everything you'll find the podcast you'll find the cohort the application definitions all of the wonderful things and more coming down the pipe so it's an exciting time I always wanted to be a dot com <laughs> well there you go there you go all right let me pray our Holy Father, we thank you for your wonderful love and the wonderful salvation you've given us. We're thankful that you are holy, 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 and that you allow us to even taste a glimpse of holiness as you uh, pour into us and as you help us to uh, understand you as we study and as we hear sermons and as we read your word and talk to you in prayer. Lord, guide us, direct our lives. May you and you only be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen.